0: We're, gonna, we're continuing with this. Uh, by the way, if you think your phones are on silent, they actually aren't. So reach into your pocket right now and put that bad boy on silent, all right? Um, so last week, my friend Phil did a great job. I'm so thankful for him and our friendship and the great job he did teaching. He's not here. Don't clap for him. He can't hear it. Just forget it. All right, just move on. We're going to continue with our series on the book of James. This is week number six. This message is called Perfect Gifts. So I put this verse up here on the screen. Go ahead and go to the next one. Yeah, let's see this. Guys, we've talked about this before, but Matthew 5, verse 40. You therefore must be perfect, even as your heavenly father is perfect. Easy. <laughs> this verse. So. This verse from the Sermon on the Mount seems so out of place, doesn't it? With everything else Jesus said about grace and mercy and forgiveness. Is this verse one of those verses you just like piously acknowledge when you're reading the scripture? Oh, yes, be perfect. And then but but secretly you think, okay, I hope this really actually means something else. I'm hoping maybe there's something in the Greek that, you know, if I really dove into it, it says, don't be perfect. (laughs) It doesn't. You know, people make really nice memes for social media out of Philippians 4.13 and John 3.16, right? You know, those with the beautiful mountains. You know, I can do all things through Christ. And um, you don't see this one. Right, nobody ever puts this one on. So you don't see football players put this reference under their eyes. You know, you won't see people say, oh, Matthew 5.48 be perfect. This is my favorite verse. It's my life verse. See, there was a time when this verse was very troubling for me, too. How can I be perfect? I'm everything but perfect. It seems completely contradictory to what Paul says about our human righteousness being as what he calls disgusting, filthy rags. We know none of us ever have a chance of being perfect, right? We agree with that? We can't even believe perfectly. We all struggle Can we all just admit at one time or another, this verse is at very least puzzling and at worst frightening. Standing by itself, this is a very troubling verse, even though people do this all the time, that's not how you read the Bible, one verse at a time. I hope to show you today how this verse is actually part of a beautifully woven tapestry about the sovereignty of God that is actually quite comforting as we continue to test the ropes of our faith in this study of the book of James. James chapter 1 verse 16 through 18 is our passage today. Do not be deceived, my brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow from turning. By the way, that's bad news for the flat earthers. We'll get into that later. Okay? (laughs) of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. All right. Look at some history of this. This is important. I want you to see about this history. I've entitled this section, Your Father in Heaven. So James readers would see good gifts. And Father of light see that phrase good gifts and father of lights and they would immediately Recognize another clear and obvious link to what is the foundation of the book of James, right? The foundation of the book of James is the Sermon on the Mount Here's the link they would see Matthew 7 verse 7 to 11 ask and it will be given to you Seek and you will find Knock and it will be open to you for everyone who asks receives the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks it will be open or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? You can see the link yourself, right? This is clearly the foundation of James 1, 16 through 18. So for generations, between the time at the end of Malachi and the birth of Jesus, Judaism had increasingly come to see God as this distant judge standing far away. And access to this judgmental God was only seen possible through temple rituals performed by temple priests, or if you couldn't get to the temple often enough, you could do it through self-righteous rule following. Frankly, a lot of the rules were man-made, but still those are the ways you could get access to this distant judgmental God. To make it worse, To make it worse, these two perceived conduits to God were controlled by the powerful and the rich and the elites of society. Even worse, those powerful and elite had corrupted those conduits to no end. They were using them to enrich themselves and to empower themselves and to castigate others below them. You can, can you get a sense now, just especially if you're a first-century Jew, the sense of how empty and hopeless and unfulfilling all this would be for the poor? For the hurting? For the cast-offs? Sounds like the, uh, the Congregation of Grace life, doesn't it? <laughs> Instead of constructing barriers, though, between God and man as Judaism had, Jesus started to tear them down. Jesus is revealing in the Sermon on the Mount a new kind of relationship between God and his people. An intimate, personal father connection that went back to the roots of the Old Testament. Access to blessings from God would no longer be controlled by the powerful or the elite, but they would be available to anyone and everyone. Jesus was teaching that God is not some distant judge. Demanding we live perfect, pious, religious lives. He's our heavenly father. And if we are his children, he gives us direct access to him for anything we need. And his children, if they really are his children, will desire deeply to seek him and to knock and to ask. And we will find and the door will be opened and we will receive this was groundbreaking in jewish culture at the time where legalism and ritual worship was seen as the only path to god the idea that good gifts from our heavenly father are available to anyone with enough faith to ask is very revolutionary a father in heaven who is eager to give good gifts to his children who have enough faith To be willing to seek him and ask him. This idea of a personal, intimate, father connection between God and his people is, frankly, the core of Jesus' teaching throughout the Sermon on the Mount. All right, that's the history. Look at the theology, the theology answering the questions. What about God? What did he do here? And why and how is he doing it? I want you to see the perfect gift. Since we know the context of James is about faith, right? We know that. Whether it's real or whether it's not, this perfect gift we're going to focus on today is, in fact, the gift of faith. There are three verses here in our patches today that are short, brilliant. Frankly, listen to this. They are theological bombshells about faith, who gives it, and how it always looks. They provide three critical theological concepts safeguards designed to protect us from that deadly deception of thinking we have real faith when we don't. First, faith is always a perfect gift. Second, it comes from the father of lights. And third, he tells us who receives it. He starts with a stern warning, right? He said, starts off in verse 16. Listen, do not be deceived. Now, this is a Hebrew focus, a Hebrew tool to say, hey, readers, Listen carefully. This is a signal What's coming next is incredibly crucial. You better pay special attention. So i'm telling you church pay special attention Don't be deceived If you say you have faith It must be perfect Because real faith can only come from the father of lights All right, good giving and perfect gifts you want to can I get a little wonky with you? Is that okay? Without getting too wonky, I want you to see this word gift occurs twice, right? It says every good gift and every perfect gift. But they're two very different words. The first good gifts that you see in James 1 17, the first good gifts is actually referring to the action of giving. The, the Greek word is actually the word giving. So it's every good giving. A gerund is like when you use a verb form as a noun, like running. I am running. I am jumping. I am praying. These are verb forms used as a noun. That's what this first word is. Every good giving. The second is what is given. Every good giving and every perfect gift. So that's really how you would actually want to translate this directly from the Greek manuscripts. Every good giving and every perfect gift comes from the Father of Lights. When God is giving, when God is doing the giving, He only gives perfect things. He doesn't give flawed gifts. He doesn't give temporary gifts. He gives perfect, eternal, everlasting gifts. These perfect gifts from good giving in James, they, listen, they are not earthly, quote unquote, blessings. They have nothing to do with anything material. They aren't gifts you can touch they aren't BMWs they aren't cash they aren't houses listen to this they aren't jobs they aren't even physical health they're not even relationships it's nothing that is temporal now God does sometimes bless his children with temporal things but none of those gifts that are temporary are perfect, correct? And gifts like that all end up, as Jesus says, sooner or later, all temporal gifts end up like wood, hay, or stubble. Here for a while, and then they turn to rust or they turn to dust. The perfect gifts in James are different. They are the good giving of perfect eternal gifts like the gift of faith. In fact, roughly 20 years after James wrote this, Paul linked directly to it in what you guys know is my favorite chapter in the Bible, Ephesians chapter 2. Look what it says in Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is what? The gift of God. Not a result of work so that no one can brag. The only perfect gift people can ever receive is the gift of perfect faith the capacity to understand trust and believe the gospel of jesus this perfect gift also provides divinely inspired installed desire to follow the lamb wherever he goes in this life this perfect gift always includes good works prepared beforehand that we would never participate in otherwise ephesians 2 verse 9 and 10 look what he says For we are his workmanship, this is right after the gift of faith, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And you guys know what the Greek actually means? Trip over. When these perfect gifts are given by the Father of lights to his children, they will always be perfect, they will always endure every test. And James is setting the bar really high here, right? He is saying that when you are given the gift of faith, don't be deceived, it will be perfect. Perfect faith, listen, church, perfect faith will never be casual, temporary, easily distracted. Even in our weakest moments, the gift of faith that is given from the Father of lights will be perfect. Now, let's talk about the father of lights. This is beautiful. The phrase father of lights is a beautiful picture that James uses teaching us why these gifts from God are always perfect. The father of lights doing the good giving of these perfect gifts. He never changes. He gives perfect gifts every time he does the giving. The word father indicates that the father of lights has children, right? I mean, you can't be a father unless you have children. The word light is a metaphor for truth. And both are constant. They don't hide anything. Light and truth never change. But there's more here. Stick with me. He is the father of lights from above. Heaven. He's father and creator. Do you see that? There is no, watch me. This is a visual. There is no shadow from turning with the father of lights. This is the bad news for the flat earthers. Let me explain why. Did you know that in the first century, by the time this is written, the idea of a rotating earth creating day and night was very common understanding? It didn't happen in like in 1960s when we landed on the moon. Oh my gosh, it's round. No, they knew it a long time ago. So James is using the illustration of darkness and light from the rotation of the earth as an illustration to teach how the Father never changes, there are no shadows like night from turning. Are you tracking? The Father of lights is creator in heaven. He isn't the receiver of light. He is the creator of light. He is the source of light. He is the source of truth, all light and all truth comes from him. In Genesis 1:1, what did he say? Let there be light. There's no rotating. There's no turning. There's no changing. No shadows with the Father of lights. No darkness, only light. And because there's no changing, only good giving of perfect gifts. Okay, now who are the gift receivers? James says the Father of lights gives these perfect gifts to his children, who he brings forth, watch this, of his own will. In the Greek, you know what it means? Of his own will. (laughs) Earthly children don't choose their earthly fathers. The same is true with the children of the Father of lights. Who are these fortunate children of the Father of lights? Paul describes this process very well in the same passage in Ephesians chapter 2. Look at this. Ephesians chapter 2, I've kind of paraphrased it for you. You were dead in the trespasses and sins. And we're by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive, brought us forth. Together with Christ, by grace, you have been saved. And he goes on to about the gift of faith in Ephesians 2, verse 8. This good giving of perfect gifts is given to spiritually dead children by the father of lights of his own will who he decides to make alive when he goes into the orphanage to adopt his children he doesn't say show me the pretty ones show me the the brand new ones he says no take me down to the morgue where the dead ones are i'm going to make them alive i'm going to give them the gift the perfect gift of faith that will never fail them these perfect gifts Of faith from the father of lights are the antidote to the temptations and the desires within our own sinful hearts that we talked about a couple of weeks ago Those desires he says don't be deceived. He says no one is tempted by God. You're tempted by your own heart That's why you need the good giving of the perfect gift of faith from the father of lights because you need an antidote to that dead sinful disgusting heart It's the antidote he intervenes the father of lights making dead sinful spiritual orphans alive, turning them into his children through the perfect giving of the perfect gift of faith. Don't be deceived. When their father of lights gives gifts, they're always perfect, making us his chosen children of his own will alive. All right, that's the theology. That's good deep stuff, right? Personal section. What are we supposed to do with this? I want to talk about perfect faith. This was the sermon preview this week. If your faith isn't perfect, it cannot be trusted for eternal life. Doesn't that sound kind of like a high bar like Matthew five forty-eight? Therefore be perfect. So, first of all, let me just say, wow. Our faith is a perfect, stunning, gracious, generous gift from the unchanging Father of lights. Amen? Amen. These perfect gifts of faith and its ropes are created given and installed by the gracious, merciful Father of lights. Each time these ropes of our faith are tested, they remind us how perfect, how reliable, and how complete this perfect gift of faith from the Father of lights really is. Matthew 5.48, let's look at it again. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Is it starting to make sense now? It doesn't seem like an unsurmountable command anymore, does it? See how the perfection Jesus demanded in the Sermon on the Mount isn't our own? He's demanding it from the perfect gifts given by who? The Father of lights. We know this perfect faith, this new life is a gift because we are completely incapable of choosing it on our own. Before the Father of Lights gave us perfect gifts, what were we? We were dead, driven by passions of our dead heart. And as children of darkness, we could never possess perfect faith. We would never even choose to believe left on our own. But the Father of Lights, who's rich in mercy, he has made you alive by grace, by giving you that perfect gift, which is faith. Alright, listen. There are some who might be troubled by this theology. That every giving of every perfect gift only comes from God and that it is not our choice. It can be troubling. A matter of fact, some people hate that theology. But can you see how this theology should actually be, listen, an immense comfort for us when we go through the harsh tests of our ropes of faith? Listen. Don't push back on this truth that the Father of lights has chosen to give you perfect gifts. Don't push back on that. Embrace it. Run to it. Let it fill you with confidence that even in our weakness, the perfect gifts that the Father of light gives will always remain perfect. Hebrews 12 Look at this. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter. See that of our faith. You see how this is all linked together? The Bible's so cool, isn't it? When the father of lights chooses of his own will to be the giver of perfect gifts, you can bet he will make sure it stays that way. It's designed to weather anything the forces of darkness can throw at it. But it's not just perfect in delivering salvation. You hear that? It's not just perfect in saving you. When the Father likes, gives these perfect gifts, they always provide everything you need for life and for godliness. This perfect gift of faith won't lie dead and dormant. It will always be alive, full of evidence. We can trust it. The perfect gift of faith will actively be producing kingdom works that you trip over, even when you aren't even interested in doing them. (laughs) The perfect gift of faith won't be defeated when you go through trials and temptations. The mercy it provides will be durable and consistent. The perfect gift of faith displays undeniable, measurable, transformative power in everyone who receives it. The perfect gift of faith provides an eternal perspective that won't let you forget, yo, there's more to this life than this world. The perfect gift of faith comes with other gifts that empower you to be a productive, consistent part of the community of God's people. See, when you begin to understand how this perfect gift of faith is a gift from the Father of lights, Philippians 1.6, I am sure of this. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Perfection at the day of Jesus Christ. Because this perfect gift of faith comes from the unchanging Father of lights, we know God will always finish what he started. As your pastor, let me just tell you something. This is why I love preaching, because I get this view. Even those of you that aren't here today watching on the stream, I know you're there. I look across this room today full of church family. And you know what I see? (laughs) I see a lot of evidence. The father's been very busy giving perfect gifts to his children. The evidence is overwhelming and it inspires me. Oh, you were definitely spiritually dead children of wrath before that giving. Don't get me wrong, because I knew some of you then too. (laughs) But that's not what I see today. Now, I don't see perfection in you, but you know what I do see? I see perfect gifts of faith proving itself in so many ways. So I'm just going to tell you, I witnessed powerful, undeniable, first-hand evidence this week of how perfect these gifts from the Father of Lights are. This week, two precious members of our Grace Life family met their Jesus face-to-face. Stuart Byer and Ernie Grooms. Over the last decade, I've gotten to know both of them very well as their pastor and their friend. I'm just going to tell you, if you didn't know Stu or Ernie, just take my word for it, they are two incredible brothers in Christ. I don't know who they were before the Father of Light started giving them the perfect gift of faith. I have no idea. Now, they have told me some of the stories, about their redemption, and how the gift of perfect faith transformed their lives. But I'll tell you what I have seen in a decade. I've seen mountains of evidence that both these men were given the perfect gift of faith from the Father of Lights, and boy, did he do a great job completing it. I could sit here, literally, I could sit here for an hour and tell you the stories I've seen as their pastor about their faith. I won't do that, but here's what I can say. I visited both of them several times in the last eight to ten days and I was able to tell them with family present how spectacular their faith has been. How much it has blessed me. I was able to with confidence tell them I have no doubt you have been brought forth by the Father's own will. And this week The perfect gift from the Father of Lights that he gave them so many decades ago was brought to completion. while they weren't always perfect, Stu was a little loud sometimes. (laughs) Ernie liked to correct my notes sometimes. They weren't perfect, but their faith was. And their walk with Jesus, because of that perfect faith, was absolutely spectacular. The perfect faith of the Father of lights, the one that he gave them, is the same gift he has given to you, if your hope is in the gospel. You know, I think Ernie and Stu, if they had an opportunity to address their church family one last time, by the way, I got to tell you a funny about, story about Stu. So, do you remember when I was using that illustration about my lawn a few weeks ago and how I paid all this money for the sod and it was drying up? Monday morning at 8 30, Stu drives to me. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting at home getting ready. I'm, I'm getting ready to go to work, but I'm working on sermon prep for the next week. It's 8 30 in the morning and somebody rings the doorbell. What in the world? And I go to the door and it's Stu. Because he had watched from home that day, uh, that Sunday. And I said, Stu, what are you doing here? He goes, I just had to see this lawn for myself. <laughs> it was great. I'll tell you, I think Ernie and Stu would say this to you today, church family. Look what these perfect gifts given by the Father of the lights have done for us. Our Father of lights never changes. The perfect gifts he gave us is the same one he's giving to you. Embrace it. Dear Jesus, we're so thankful. We're so grateful that you are the father of lights who is actively giving the perfect gift of faith to your children. And Lord, we are grateful that it is not our choice. Because we would never choose it. But for whatever reason, because of your love and mercy with which you loved us, even while we were dead in our trespasses and sins, you reached down, you intervened, you made us alive. We don't know why, but we're grateful. And you gave us this gift of faith so we know that we can't even brag about choosing it. You chose us. And because whenever you are doing the giving of perfect gifts, we know there is no changing and these gifts of faith are going to save us. You will bring it to completion on the day that you return. Lord, I celebrate the perfect gift of faith you gave to Stu and to Ernie. I'm thankful that through that gift of faith you gave them just this passionate love for this church family. Through their support and their prayer, But Lord, I'm just as excited about the perfect gifts of faith you have given to those here today. Lord, if there are those here today that you are calling of your own will and you are giving them the gift of faith, I pray that you would bring them to salvation. Lord, we're grateful for the good giving of perfect gifts in Jesus'